Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman Peters. I'm the mother of one college boy, former homeschooler, a preschool teacher, and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm the mom of two boys, a middle school teacher, former homeschool, and a writer. Welcome to episode 56, where we're going to share scary books to read in the dark. Unless you're like Heather, and then you're too chicken, and you can't read them in the dark, and you have to turn the lights back on. It's so true. I'm a wuss, too. Oh, good. Okay. I don't feel alone. I mean, it is broad daylight, and we were just, my younger one and I are listening to audiobooks on our way back and forth to school, and we were just listening to um, a goosebumps right he's oh nine. yes we yes. were listening to I goosebumps in the car I was starting to get freaked out I'm like is this too scary for you and he's like oh mom please I'm like are you sure it's not too scary because I'm a little scared <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh my I have a friend who makes fun of me because after the episode where we read uh wait till Helen comes by Mary Downing Hall oh, that was like yes. way long time ago for all oh my gosh I that book scared me so much and I love Mary Downing Hall she is the best but I had to lit- I have to read those books during the day I can't can't read books, scary books at night anyway. They're scary. Well, at least that's better than goosebumps. I'm getting freaked out by goosebumps. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> this is pathetic. I'm like, oh, that was scary. With goosebumps, the best part is just waiting for the twist because then it's like, oh, okay, it's not as scary as I thought. <laughs> you know, like, well, and it, it's always got, it it, builds, it, builds. yes, it builds, yeah. but it, every chapter ends on a cliffhanger. So it's the best for a reluctant <laughs> reader because awesome. he'll be like, yeah. no, mom, keep going. Yeah. So we try to get him, like, get the one book get the audio book and then get the reading book. Cause sometimes it's just, he's just too tired at night to oh, read yeah, now yeah. because he's busy with sports and school. And I understand. And I work late a lot of nights teaching. Oh, and so. we love audio books. Trust me. Oh it's yes, great. definitely. Yeah, so it's, he's, it's good. It's good. It's better than listening to like some sort of trashy, <laughs> trashy morning radio show or oh, something. For sure. you know? Halloween is my favorite holiday. I look forward to our Halloween episode every year. So I cannot wait. You do. You're like a Halloween freak for sort of this soccer mom look. I think it's ironic though. You know, you're the one who looks like the soccer mom. I look like the one who should be roller derbying, but yet I am the (laughs) soccer mom instead. (laughs) I love witches. I love Halloween. I love all of everything about it. I know. And I don't like scary movies. I know. I mean, I watched them all when I was a teenager. I did, but I did not like them. (laughs) And I was always terrified when I got home. I still don't like them. I tried to watch one the other day from the eighties and it was like, they're uh, scary. The Revenge of the Toxic Avenger. Ooh. I was, it, it, you know, it's like an old one from the 80s. And I creeped myself out. So I, I made it through 10 minutes. Again, broad daylight. Broad yeah. daylight. Can't. Gotta do I'm it. A, I'm a giant wuss. Okay. <laughs> it's pathetic. <laughs> okay. So before we get started, though, on our awesome Halloween stuff, I do have something I want to talk to you about. And I've wanted to talk to you about this for a while. And I'm really curious what you think. So it's not scary, but it's kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly of DNFs. The way that you prefaced that was like, I have to tell you something. I'm a DNF. <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> it stands for did not finish, which I guess could be dirty, but it's really about books. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dirty. Oh my God. Did not. I, I am not a DM. You are, you are a dnf This is why I want to talk about this because you're not and I am. So, okay. So you will push through on a book, even if you don't like it. And I obviously, which is why you do a few more critical book reviews than I do, because <laughs> if I don't like it, I'm like, ah, find something else. No, if I didn't like it, I have to tell you why. Yeah, I want to make you, sure that like, I need that. <laughs> I need the universe to be like, I spent all my time doing this and I did not like it. And here's why I need everyone to know. Sort of like if I go for a run, I need everyone to know. <laughs> I came back alive. <laughs> 
even if you're being chased by a coyote. Coyote. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really interesting because I think I don't want to waste my time, right? That doesn't mean I won't read a book that is not really my cup of tea because I have done that. You know, I'm not a huge fan of realistic fiction. And we've read some stuff that was kind of like really depressing, like all the water stuff that we read. I will push through all that stuff because I do think it's really important and it has value. And somebody who likes that genre would really be interested in it. So I don't ever fall at that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like you're two pages in and you're like, what? (laughs) What is happening? Like you can't figure out what's happening or the writing is not good or I don't know, you know, that kind of stuff. Will you still push through on that? You think? I will. And I think the problem is, is that even though I'm a rather pessimistic by nature, like my overall persona is rather pessimistic. I'm always prepared for the worst. Um, But I also think that I keep waiting for it to get better. I I have hope Mm -hmm. that it's going to get better. The book is going to get better. And I think part of that is because it's like the former dyslexic in you. Like you, I think that part of that is when you grow up as a kid with a learning disability, you kind of always assume that you just didn't get it. Oh, I I just didn't get it. Maybe if I keep reading, like everybody else got it and I didn't get it, which I also think is probably why I always check the reviews. If If I something I really don't like, I'm like, did I just not get it? Did I just like not, I still do that. And okay. I, I mean, I'm 15 years old. You know, you can't take that okay. that third grader. <laughs> you can't take that third grader out of it. Now I have to say like books that we grew up on to were a lot different from books now because books now like hook have to hook you like on the first page, right? When right. we were kids, really not much happened in the first two thirds of a book. There's a lot of exposition. Yeah. yeah. And then you get to like the last third and that's when everything's exciting and it's fun, which is why like, I know there were some books that I just loved as a kid and I could not get my son into them. And I think that's why, because there was such a slow build. Yeah. But that's what we were used to. And I mean, and heck, if you go back and read stuff from like the early 1900s, I mean, I used to work at the kids magazines, right? And I would dig through the archives and they would have stories that were like dense and like 10 pages long for little kids. And I'm like, who is reading no. this? <laughs> you know? Um, so, I mean, obviously it's getting more stories are getting more like flashy and action-packed and grab you up front than they have been in the past. I, maybe that's part of it too, where I will stick with a book for a little while. Think if, if the writing is good. I mean, I, I don't know. I remember there was one book I bought when I was out visiting you and I, I was so excited to read it. And I was like, two pages in and I'm like, this is terrible. (laughs) And I just thought, forget it. I'm not going to waste my time. Now that's different from thinking, oh, well, you know, the writing's good or, oh, this character is kind of interesting. Let me see what happens. But, um, but yeah, I just don't like to waste my time. And I also have a weird thing about giving negative reviews, which you and I disagree on, I think. I think that there is a place for (laughs) negative reviews. And I am obviously the voice of the negative review. (laughs) I mean, I've had a few, but, um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know why. I think if I'm going to spend my time talking about something, I want to at least give somebody something that they can go, oh, okay, I'm going to go check that out. But I get it because you could save somebody from checking something out too, right? You can, but if you want to read it, I'm not going to dissuade you. I always think that like with the negative review, I always think you need to be able to highlight. And I think this is from years of being a writing teacher and spending so much time grading writing now mm-hmm. that, you know, that um, if I'm going to give you a negative review. I also have to sandwich it with the positives. It's like, sure. you know, like they teach you that in, in um, when you get trained to be a teacher, you always have to have the the hamburger, the top bun has to be a good thought. Right. And then you can put the negative thought and then you have to end it on a good thought on the bottom bun. And um, 
so I think that, you know, like I'll give you the good and the bad. I'll just give you my opinion why I th- thought it didn't work. And, yeah. and, you know, opinions are what what do they say? Opinions are like buttholes or something like that. Can I say butthole? <laughs> everybody, has um, one. everybody has one. I think noses is probably more. Belly button, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't say ears because, you know, that doesn't fall well in our, not everybody's got two, <laughs> not in our house, but I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things that like, it's so, I, I see bad reviews on stuff all the time. It doesn't dissuade me from reading it if the topic is interesting to me. Well, okay. So on Amazon, obviously there's always good and negative reviews. And usually I read like the the five star and then I read the one star reviews. And then I decide like, oh, does this one star person seem credible? What do I think? You know? And uh, so I guess I get it. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you are good about saying, you know, who might like this, just not. Yeah. I gotcha. But I will say that like from my years working as a costume designer, uh, negative reviews suck. I mean, there was a woman in the Philadelphia Inquirer on one of my first professional shows who told me that I had Chestnut Street was a place where you could buy like, you know, it was like, that's where you go for like, you know, the cheaper wig stores and stuff like that. Fast fashion. And she told me I was Chestnut Street cheap. And you know, that still I am still there. And then another woman said I was trying to hide a woman's ass with a tablecloth. And I thought, well, first of all, you have no idea how big that ass actually was. So I think you should probably thank me for that. So you they stick with you because that's been over 30 years since I've done that year, 20 years, 25 years. And those kind of vicious reviews, I think, are are they're, they're not helpful. They're, mm-hmm. uh, but did anyone not go see the show because of it? Oh, no. uh, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, right. Nobody's going to go not see the show because somebody said they you know panned it or whatever. Right. Um, if you like that topic, like if you like Fiddler on the Roof, and somebody gave Fiddler on the Roof a bad review, and you love it, you're still going to go see it. I mean, that's true. That's it's just point. one person's opinion. Now, if overwhelmingly you go on Goodreads and there's like. 900 bad reviews, then you're like, hmm, maybe there's something wrong with this book. Yeah. Okay. I have one more question on the DNF stuff. Kids are forced to read a lot of, or required, I should say. My son used to say forced (laughs) to read a lot of books, right? Especially in middle school age. What do you think about DNF for them? Is that an even an option or is that just in like their reading, personal reading? I mean, what if really there is a book that they're required to read, that they're just like, what is the point of this? I like, how can, how can you help them? Of mice and men. <laughs> we just went through the, like, seriously, what's the point of reading of mice and men at this? There's so many great books out there. Well, we've talked about this, about how people are stuck, like in the old classics and, and for like modern kids, how is that benefiting them in any way? And also should teachers offer options? I think that would be, no. you don't think so? I don't think teachers should offer options. Okay. I think that they should be able to shop as a free reading for free reading because the whole point of reading as a whole is for them to build vocabulary, build memory, build working memory, build, you know what I mean? Um, Fluency and that sort of thing. You're not going to do that if you don't like the book. You're not going to read. You're going to, you know what I mean? So if you don't like the book, you're not going to read it. So then you're not going to build any of those skills. So yeah, shop all you want in my little classroom library or whatever. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times too, those, those stupid books that everybody has to read are mandated by the state or sure. you know mandated by the standardized testing or whatever. But um, you have to be able to look at it as a group and be able to dissect it as a group mm-hmm. in, a, in a classroom setting so that everyone has the same understanding. Everybody's coming from the same base point on gotcha. that story or that book or that whatever. That being said, ironically, last year in eighth grade, my son had some pretty crappy choices, but they were blended with some more modern ones like yeah. The Hate You Give and stuff like that. In ninth grade, he's 
got great stuff. He's reading some really, really great stuff. Okay. Um, and it's it's interesting because he has a really young teacher who just graduated in library science. Oh, so uh, nice. you know, she's a little more on the ball, I think. Yeah. So she's brought in some better options. They're reading plays instead of working on uh, dramatic structure, which people always would, you know, go back to Midsummer Night's Dream or which no one understood. P.S. No one, even in graduate school for theater, no dramatic. Uh, dramatic lit people were like, did I really understand that? I mean, no. So why give it to a bunch of eighth graders, ninth graders? I don't know. But um, she's reading, you know, like we just finished writing a big paper on August Wilson's Fences. It's so much more accessible. It's so much more, you get the same points you get, you know, but the kids have an idea of that it's within their lifetime. This is something that they could actually go see on a stage, you know, and understand. And um, it's a little easier to dissect. It's got a lot more um, representation, things like that in it too. So it's interesting. So when my son was homeschooling high school, he did, you know, we did an online program and really they didn't require a lot of novel reading, which kind of made me a little nervous, but he, it was all like short stories. Yeah. And I thought, well, at least like a kid could suffer through a short story if it's not their cup of tea. You know, it's not that big of a commitment than like requiring. Well, and that's exactly read. it. I've always done more short stories than novels, always. To read a novel in class is such a huge time commitment. You're literally giving up almost a month of your curriculum to do that. And so it's a lot. But a short story, you can still teach many of the same things. Mm-hmm in a shorter amount of time. And there's so many great places to find short stories. I mean, we did an episode on short stories. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have to look and see when that was. I don't even remember, but um, that was really fun to go find. Beast and Beauty. Stories. Isn't that, that was, we did that, like, remember that book that we did that was fabulous? It wasn't it called Beast and Beauty? Yeah. And it was all the re short, short stories reimagined, fairy tales reimagined into the opposite. Well, and I remember we did Pearl Buck, wasn't there like we found a bunch of cool short stories? Yeah, we had a ton of them. Like there was a there's a great rethink ELA is a great website that does them too. Yeah. What was the sci-fi? Um, Not Pearl Buck, I'm sorry. Sci- the sci-fi lady. Um Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. That's who I was thinking of. Because I know I found a couple of her. I could literally have the image ever in my head. Yeah. I'm getting ready to do short stories in January. So I'm mm. pre-reading and looking off kinds of for good options. But I, I and when you have a short amount of time and you don't you have limited class time, it's way easier to teach short stories mm-hmm. than a that novel. Makes- yeah. And you're not pile. I don't, I'm a, I am not a fan of homework either. I don't like giving homework. I don't like mm-hmm. kids to have to have homework. So, right. um, right. stuff you, you can know. do in class then with the short story is easier. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So do you let your, uh, boys DNF anything on their private reading? Like they're, they do all reading? the time. Yeah. They do all the time. The little one does it a lot because he and I will do it together. If he's just not feeling it, why mm-hmm. reading's hard for him to begin with as a dyslexic so and you don't want to just right why him. make it any harder and the big one is i mean you know he's a 14 year old jock getting him to do anything that involves a book and then can i just add this what? that little twit of mine the one who will do literally any like i have to pull his hair to do anything besides soccer <laughs> i got this letter in the mail from the school where he like earned a perfect score on the english section of the state standardized tests last awesome. year No, it's not. I'm like, you are so lazy that you actually have this within you. You have this. And he got a perfect score on the writing. I think it's funny because, yeah, they'll do it for somebody else, but not for their mamas. Their mamas get the worst of it. And then he's like, well, how did I do in math and science? I'm like, you're average. Shut up. Go on. (laughs) That was expected. You're perfectly average. (laughs) You're perfectly fine on those. 
That's I expected exciting. you to be average all along the line, but like what kind of freak gets a perfect score in the English exam That's and won't amazing. even read a book? And won't even read a book. Yeah. You're wasting your talent. You're wasting your brain. <laughs> Here, go play soccer. <laughs> Use your head for that. Yeah, exactly. Get a couple of headers. Maybe they'll click in the math genes. All right. So now that we've discussed whether or not we should kill books, shall we get started? Oh, books that kill people? Oh, I wish there was a murder in my book. Oh, Can I just yes. also tell you that like one of my vocabularies, I, I tutor these two girls in China on Fridays and trying to explain one of our vocabulary words for the week was homicide. That <laughs> no. took an ugly turn fast. <laughs> <laughs> trying to explain like, well, it's like murder, but <laughs> it is murder. But and I'm like, oh my, oh my God, please don't let any parents come through and hear this. Like, but we're talking about homicide. And why on earth is that one of the seventh grade vocabulary terms? Hey, anyway. I have a serial killer in one of my books. So Oh, do you? Yes. You want to hear? Okay, do tell. I want to talk about him. Homicide and serial killers. <laughs> keeping it keeping it child friendly right here. <laughs> All right, let's get started. So this is going to be a spooktacular book chat. I can oh feel it. Oh my God. Let Sorry. it go. Let Had it go, girl. It. Let Had it go. Do it. Okay. Margie, you said your book scared you. So I cannot wait to hear about it. It's also by our favorite gals. So you want to start us off? Well, I mean, okay. So there's Margaret Peterson Haddix, who is like the reigning goddess and queen. Yes. And then and she, she's like, as far as our court, sort of sci-fi crossover love. But we do have in the in the sort of spooky story genre, we do fangirl hard for Lindsay Curry. Yes. And so when I was looking for something, Lindsay Curry has a new book out and it's called The Girl in White, which I could not get my hands on. I literally have been on the waiting list for a long time and I couldn't even get it shipped to me in time. So I decided to go back and read her number one, her first one, which of, of this, she's written like a lot of YA and I haven't read her YA, but I've heard like a lot of people rave that it's super spooky and scary and they love her YA in her middle grade world. She's had four spooky stories out now. The first one is called The Peculiar Incident on Shady Street. And that one came out in 2017. That one is what the one that I'm going to talk about today. It's the first of them. The second one was Scritch Scratch, which came out in 2020. And that's the one that you read last year. And that takes place on a bus, right? Yes, I love that. On a, on a bus. <sighs> and they all take place in Chicago. It was a bus tour of like scary places and the ghost. Okay. Are home. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, that happens sometimes, you know. <laughs> um, and then I read What Lives in the Woods in 20. That was her 2021. And that was the one about the girl who they leave Chicago and go. They, they rented a house on a lake and while her father was going to work on reconstructing the house. And um, guess things weren't quite as they seem. <laughs> and then uh, The Girl in White is the newest one. And that one just came out, obviously, because I couldn't get my hands on it. Lindsay Curry, if you're listening, you can just <laughs> directly send us your spooky storybooks because we're really big fans. And then I won't have to wait on the list. All right. Anyway, so I read The Peculiar Incident on Shady Street. I will tell you this. I read part and I listened to part. And while the story is fantastic, the person that does the voice on the audiobook was horrendous. Oh, so no. It was, that's because why? That's what she was doing. Like, she did a voice just like that. Like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what uh, is wrong with this person? This is supposed voice? to be dark and scary. Well, yeah. <laughs> and whenever she switched between, like, the girl characters, she would do this, like, oh, my God. It was terrible. Anyway, but the book, the story was good. Anyway, don't, don't, don't go for the audio version because it's frustrating. <laughs> 
So our main character is Tessa Woodward, and she and her family have just left the beautiful beaches of Florida for the beautiful, gray, chilly, rainy Chicago. And the reason that they've left, um, she was born and raised there. She is a seventh grader. The reason that they left is because her father just got the first chair violin spot with the Chicago Symphony. So it was a really big deal. And the nice part about this is like, it's again and again and again, everyone in the book makes reference, especially Tessa, to the point that like, well, it's a great opportunity. This wasn't a choice. Like, it's not like, oh, my God, you made me move and leave my friends. Blah, blah, blah. She always like acknowledges like this is a huge thing for my family and we're all giving something up so that my dad can have this great experience. But it's OK, because her mother is also like an her mother's an artist, but her mother does like beach painting. And so she's literally giving everything up too. all that she does. She has like a, a lot of following in Florida, but they all gave it up so so that her dad could have this this dream job, which is fine, whatever. So Tessa is an artist like her mom. And um the kind of starts off the movie. I was like, the movie starts off. <laughs> um, so the whole book starts off right when they get to Chicago on their way to Chicago. She also has a four-year-old brother who carries around this like creepy ventriloquist dummy with him everywhere. Yes. As soon as you enter a ventriloquist dummy, you are like, no. (laughs) So just put a pin in that. We'll come back to him. All right. So, so they get to Chicago and the first night in their new house, they get this big Victorian house on Shady Street and all these weird things start to happen. Like the lights flicker, the doors lock. There's all these storms. I feel like it's always storming in this book, right? <laughs> it's always storming and um, like unexplainable things start to happen all the time. And then one night she's in bed and she hears crying and she hears, she thinks it's her little brother who's only four. And so she looks out in the hallway and she's, then she hears these footsteps throughout the house then she hears like scraping bricks and all of a sudden the lights flick out and then they come back on and when they come back on she finds like this perfectly drawn square like cube on her um sketch pad and at first she's like well maybe it was her (laughs) her mother was like well maybe your brother did it and then she's like uh are you kidding (laughs) like it was like a perfectly sketched cube so all these weird things start happening and her hippie parents are like, why don't you just go take a little walk and chillax? So when she goes for a walk after like a couple of days in the creepy haunted house, she meets this, this kid and this kid is, is in the park and he's playing soccer and that's Andrew. And they become friends really quickly and they end up at the same school together. So she already knew somebody when she got there. She finally confesses to Andrew, like what's happening? Like, I think that my house is haunted. And he's like, you got to meet my friend, Nina. Nina is fascinated with the graveyard history of Chicago and she knows everything about graveyards and dead people in Chicago. And I'm like, oh, Heather (laughs) 2.0. So then Nina gets involved with this whole thing. And there's other friends that help out as well, but those are sort of the trifecta right there. So Nina has this great idea that that maybe they could figure out who the ghost was. And they realize that that they think it's the ghost of this little girl who was killed in a lightning storm that's like part of Chicago lore. Mm, so they go to her grave and they're trying to find it. And the, the woman who is running the visitor center at the cemetery is like, well, yeah, weird things happen. Sometimes she disappears, the, you know, uh, the statue disappears when it storms, we don't know what's happening. They get there, like they go to a mausoleum, of course, the storm breaks out and then, um, the statue disappears and they have to try to escape the graveyard. It's just really great. It's like good layers on layers and stuff. Yeah. Tessa is such a likable character. Like she could have been such a, such a total pain in the butt because, you know, she's angry because her best friend stayed in Florida. And so she's kind of angry that she had to leave, but she's not like this brooding, arty, 
artsy sort of like, oh, poor me, poor me, Emo. poor me. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. <laughs> Instead, she's like, I have a problem and I'm going to Nancy Drew this sucker. And that's exactly <laughs> what she does. Like, she's it. like, something is haunting me and something is only haunting me. And I will Nancy Drew this to the end. And that's exactly what she does. And she figures it all out and it's really fun. And then parts of the things that happen, they kind of come up with scientific answers for and parts of it they don't really have a scientific for answer for but they have a um a ghostly answer for so it's really fun she's very realistic like tessa that's what i think is the best thing about the character when it first started it started slow i will say that the book started slow and i'm like oh this kind of feels like a lot like the other books that i've read of of um uh, you know, from the same, from the same, that's not really a series, but kind of is, you know, um, the other Lindsay Curry books, I thought started that way, but then all of a sudden that stupid doll started crying <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm done now. Now we've taken a turn. We've taken a turn that I've not seen before. And tears are like running down the doll's face. Oh. And then the brother is like having conversations with the dolls that are somehow kind of like reading Tessa's mind and, yeah, it was really, it was crazy good. It was really good. I really liked it. It's super fun. It's not scary. Tessa's like, a, I, you know, I don't usually like girl characters anyway, but I really liked her. She was very believable. The parents were not in any way, shape or form, like overbearing or mm-hmm. angry. They're mm-hmm. these like crazy hippie parents. That's pretty standard in her books. I think Yeah, like, just these kind of like laid back, laid back sort parents of... who have really interesting jobs. And, right. Yeah. And the thing is, like her, the other kids always make fun of her for being like they they're making fun of different kinds of kids, like free range kids, and they're like, you know, you're almost free range. <laughs> like they're always teasing her that she's just like that close to being free range. Um, and so it's it's super fun. It makes fun of itself when it needs to. And it, the thing that's also really cool is that like Nina's a giant nerd. Obviously, she's fascinated with Chicago graveyard history. She's really into science and cinema club. Or no, not she's not Cassie, who's another one of the girls, is really into science. Um, and then Andrew is like a soccer dork. And now we have an artsy girl. So I love when you like mix them all together. The only criticism I saw anywhere was that all the kids appeared to be white, but that's never stated in the book. So I think that's what you put in on it. Yeah. I think that's sort of on you. Yeah. I never caught that at all in the book that it was all white kids. In fact, like they talk about like somebody's uh dark curls. Hmm. That could be hmm. anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I didn't, I think that's kind of adult projection. I didn't see that, but that's just me. Um, It was kind of scary as much as it needed to be scary. And and it had a good mystery. So I loved it. It was, it was really fun. So that's the first one. I think it would be fun to read them in order. If you haven't read any Lindsay Curry books, then I would read them in order because they all have similarities, except I don't know much about the girl in white, but I'm assuming Um, they all have a lot of similarities. They all are kind of based in Chicago, the greater Chicago land area. Uh, They all kind of deal with the history of that place, except what lives in the woods is kind of not exactly in Chicago, but it's very nearby. So I think they're really fun. And Mm -hmm. I would read the first one would be this peculiar incident on shady street then read scritch scratch then what lives in the woods and then you can read the girl in white and you have your whole halloween spooky season laid out for you there you go yeah that's like a we love you Lindsay curry and Me when too. we find you next time i come back to the midwest i'm we're coming to chicago and we're going to sit there with our franzia and we're going to be like girl hey girl hi. Finds. you're the best yeah. we love yes. you keep on writing sis <laughs> that's right so yeah that was good so what did you read all right well you know of course i love witches so because you are one but go on <laughs> i love them so much i found two books that have witches in them so of i read two did. books um 
Yeah, I wasn't planning on it, but my first book, uh, anyway, well, let's get into it. Okay, so the first one I read is called The Witchlings by Clara Bell A. Ortega. It just came out this year, 2022, and Witchlings starts just before the annual Black Moon Ceremony. Ooh. <laughs> I know, where young witchlings are placed in their covens with a special ritual where they are giving a gem, given a gem that turns the color of their coven. Okay, that's cool. I like yeah, that. it's very cool. So the only catch is that every year at the ceremony, there are a few witchlings that don't get covens. So you can guess where oh. this is going, right? <laughs> I would have been that. It would have been like, I would have been the one who didn't get a coven, just sort of like in dodgeball, you know, like mm, you don't, you don't get picked her. last. Yeah. I would be picked last. Oh I wouldn't be gosh. last, last, but I would definitely be like in the last five. I was always picked last in PE class. Oh, anyway, trauma. You're bringing back trauma. Stop it. I know, right? Well, that's why we have master's degrees and. Those people that got picked first do not. <laughs> Our 12-year-old MC is Seven Salazar, who really hopes she's going to be placed with her best friend. But of course, she ends up as a spare. Is That's that harsh. Even the word. Even the it's terrible. Oh, I mean, you're a spare. We used to call my brother that. <laughs> <laughs> So she's a witch without a coven. Um, she's joined by two other girls, one who has been her lifelong bully. Of course. <laughs> of course. Angela. Oh, I'm sorry. Again, bringing up trauma. <laughs> and the other one is the quiet, shy girl, you know, so everyone kind of expected her to not get a house or a coven. Sorry. This is how close it is to Harry Potter, by the way. <laughs> I, keep I was just going to say, it seems coven. vaguely familiar. Yeah, it is a little bit. It does steal quite a bit from Harry Potter, but, you know, whatever. It's it's fine. If kind do what of, you got to do. Yeah, because I'll talk about it here in a minute about why that kind of is. But okay, so the so Seven is not willing to accept her fate, and she has one option: she can invoke the possible task, which is a challenge that if she and her spares complete it successfully, will they'll be allowed to become a coven. So the magical challenge that they get says they have to defeat the night beast, which is like this really scary creature who lives in the forest. Because when you say night beast, I think of like an old man watching TV with a hairy chest in his boxer shorts, like when the night beast, like eating Cheetos and maybe a couple old Milwaukee's. That's literally what just came to mind. Honest to God, when you said the night beast, well, they have to defeat the night beast, like somebody's dad on the couch. It's not too far from the truth, honestly, in the end. But anyway, sorry, no spoilers. Okay. So, and if they can't defeat the night beast, they will be turned into toads forever. <laughs> maybe that's why I got this figure. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> so, um, so the first chapter of the book really drew me in because it was all about the ceremony. And yeah, it seems like gonna, super cool. Yeah, it was awesome. And I really thought it was going to kind of be like Amari and the Night Brothers, you know, like this cool adventure um, or some of the other fantasy novels that we've read with like really wild adventures that have ever increasing stakes, right? Uh-huh. Um, but I felt like this book, the stakes never got that high. Mm, um, that's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the kind of interesting plot points, are, I was like, ooh, I wonder what happened there. They weren't in scene. Like somebody would just come tell the girls what happened. Oh, yeah. Um, And the girls spent a lot of time like learning magic to help them in their quest. But then they needed to use that magic. It wasn't like they were in classes and they're like learning this stuff. And oh, by the way, they ended up needing it later. It was like, oh. Let's learn this magic because it'll help us. And then, oh, it helped us. So, oh. you know, it was kind of, but 
what this book did do, which was, I was not expecting it and maybe, and so that's kind of on me because I had an image in my mind of what it was going to be. So it's not really a rollicking adventure, but it's an interesting introspective story really about friendship. Our main character spends a lot of time thinking and trying to figure out how to be friends with these girls, like one's her enemy. There's a lot of effort put into that and thought put into that and work put into that. And then also there's this whole political uh, civil rights thing going on with the spares. And a lot of the bad stuff that happens in the book, they find out is because of people trying to control the spares. Because if you're a spare uh, witchling and you don't get a coven, then the elite witches like the rich witches basically get to use you kind of as servants because so it's like a socioeconomic thing yes so there's this whole like underlying civil rights it's not even really underlying it's pretty much on the nose like this whole political civil rights thing going on so um really if you had a kid who's really interested in politics or even like civil rights and stuff like that it's kind of weird to say but they probably would enjoy this book about witches because oh, yeah. it, it kind of feels like the witch world is sort of shoehorned in a little bit and it's you know kind of like why i said it feels like harry potter because it's kind of like not a lot of creativity goes into like the witch world so much although they have really cute like um little words that they use for like bad words like one of the girls calls her friends goats all the time oh you goats you goats and it's just so cute and like they use frog for like a bad word like oh that was frog and scary like they say something like that it's really cute so there is like stuff like that that is unique and fun and cute um but really it's more about like what's going on with the adults in this sort of political world that's happening at this time and they're kind of caught up in it because they are spares themselves and they're fighting against the system so if you have like a little rebel girl you know, or something yeah. like that. It, I think it would, they would really like it. Um, it just wasn't kind of what I was expecting, but, it, but you know, that's not bad. And I definitely think it's more for like six to eighth graders just because it's more about like social emotional development. It's like really sophisticated as far as trying to figure out how to be friends with, you know, people and how to fight the system and that kind of stuff. So it was kind of interesting on that level. It wasn't, so it was a little bit drier read, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because it wasn't like, oh, there's an adventure and the keep getting higher and higher and they're going to die. And, you know, like you never really felt that, but you did see where they were fighting against the system and how they were slowly making progress. You know, it was kind of cool. Yeah. And uncovering who's behind it all and what was really going on and, and all that, what was the real motivation? Um, there is also some, one of the girls is abused by her father. She tells her friends how he deprived her of food one time when her mom was out of town and stuff like that. And so that is also like the two girls, um, struggle with trying to decide if they should tell an adult or what they should do about it because she asked them not to say anything. And of course, you know, a little spoiler alert, they do decide to tell adults. And then that girl is protected and taking out of harm's way, which was good. That was a good message in the story like, yeah. too. Do you think there's too many messages though? It sounds like there's a lot of um, like I've, special after school specials going on here. Yeah. I mean, it felt like everything was very much on the nose. Like you need to learn this. It didn't seem out of place though, because that's what okay. it was about. I don't know. It felt like current events, like let's throw everything in, you know, Yeah. It, but it made the world seem bigger, you know, because of all this stuff going on. And it seemed kind of legit too. Like you have personal problems you have 
global problems, you have local problems, and that's yeah. kind of what it seemed like. And the girls were all dealing with that. I do kind of wish that maybe like there might have been a boy thrown in there because it was three girls and it I felt it, like it, it didn't really have girl to heavy. be. Yeah. I mean, and but maybe because it was about girl friendships more than anything. I felt like maybe one of the characters could have been a boy just to make it a little bit more rounded. But um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Like I said, it wasn't what I was expecting, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it was just very focused on the civil rights of the spares. And it was fun. It was fun to see the girls figure out how to solve the problem and everything. So that was great. When other nobody else really saw what was going on. But I feel like when you'd taken a, a lot of elements that like the dividing into houses and the hierarchy and stuff like that. I feel like when you, I mean, hello, any good artist steals. That's what we do. Oh, I mean, sure. every good right. artist steals from someone else, right. but you, maybe you have to be a little more careful if you're doing it from the most popular children's series <laughs> ever, because you're going to get compared to that regardless. That's and it's true. not that it's not that I'm not, I'm not saying don't steal at all right. by no right. means, but I'm saying like, you just have to know that the expectations are going to be higher because it's so reminiscent right. of that. Right. Other. You know, it's kind of funny because when I was reading this book, it made me think of like the difference between Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts because Fantastic Beasts is all about the political, you know, the wizarding yeah. world politics. And it's just only really about politics. And so that's kind of what this felt like more like that fantastic beast than Harry Potter, because you're not getting quite as, I mean, you're getting adventure, but it's not quite on the same level. So yeah. anyway, so you read a second one too. Yeah. I saw it. So because of that, cause I liked it, but I was like, Oh, it's not quite what I was thinking. Um, I read the second book that I had that I was super excited to read and it's called the clackety by Laura Sun. It also just came out this year, 2022. It is so dark but it's also really fun. So the clackety really drew me into just like the other book, like very beginning was awesome. It's about a girl named Evie who lives in Blight Harbor, Harbor, sorry. It's the seventh most haunted town in America where everyone had a ghost living in their house or knew someone who did. So right away, I was like, I'm in, I'm all in on this one. So um, Evie lives with her aunt Desdemona, a paranormal expert. I want to be Desdemona. That's what I'm going to change my name to. She's what awesome. a great name. My aunt, De Auntie Deb. Yeah, Aunt does. And so she's a paranormal expert who writes a column in the town paper and she consults with people. Her aunt is really kind. Um, She took Evie in. So there was a house fire and Evie wasn't there and her the house burned to the ground and they think her parents are dead, but they don't know because they never really they didn't found find them. remains. I like yeah. this. I like where yeah. we're going already. Well, I kind of wish that that had come back into play oh in it doesn't book. come back but maybe it's because desdemona be, can't get in touch with them maybe there's going to be more books i don't okay. know i wasn't quite I sure desdemona could like call the spirit world to them well because see that's the thing because there's ghosts everywhere so you kind of think that they might show up at some point but they don't yeah. so i don't know maybe there's like a longer part two arc going on there yes um but uh so her aunt only has one role and that's stay you're gonna love this stay out of the slaughterhouse Oh my God. Yes. That's our, our rule is stay out of the embalming room. I get it. I was like, what? stay out of the embalming room, stay out of the slaughterhouse. I'm with you. All right. Uh, I was like, wow, that's, a, that's awesome. That's bold. So, uh, so of course that's exactly though, where the story leads when Evie's aunt goes missing after investigating a weird phenomenon in the slaughterhouse. So <sighs> Evie, Desdemona goes missing. Yeah. 
We're going to have to get this book. It's really good. Okay. So Desdemona goes missing. Evie um, is really worried because she, of course, this is her only family that she has. So she's freaking out. So she goes in search of her, goes to the slaughterhouse, and that's where she meets the Clackety, who is an ancient, almost spider-like spirit that she makes a deal with in order to get her aunt back. And the Clackety sends her into sort of an alternative world, like the upside down kind of thing, which is cool. In there, of course, she has a set of obstacles that she has to overcome or, you know, things that are happening. And basically, it's in the form of seven houses that she has to go through and get the key for the next house in each one. And she has like a crazy adventure in each, each house that keeps getting scarier and creepier. In one of the houses, though, are three sister witches that she meets who would just happen to be the cousin of her aunt Desdemona's best friend who's back in the regular world. So you find out that her aunt's best friend who works in the library, of course, and teaches uh, Evie everything she learned needs to know um, is a witch. So it's really cool. Of course, every librarian is a witch. We all know that. How else would they work the magic they work? I know it's made perfect sense to me. So anyway, she basically has to like, overcome like try to survive in each house so the witches of course are threatened to eat her and she has to kind of outwit them and she so each thing she has to kind of outwit what's ever happened is happening or try to survive basically and it's just so fun and scary and at the same time this is all happening there is the ghost of the serial killer from their town. Oh, who, for God's sakes. I know. There's too many things for Evie. Who's hot on her trail. And if he gets to her aunt first, then it'll be too late to save her aunt. This is like the perfect Halloween read. It is. It's so good. It's so good. And it and like, even though it's dark and scary, it's, I don't know. I just, I love it. You know, I'm a weenie. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so cool because I love like in true Scandinavian storytelling form. I love it when kids outwit the monsters, you know, yeah. like that's a very Scandinavian story for telling form. And I just love it. And this time she gets like seven opportunities to keep outwitting all these crazy monsters that come along. It's so great. This is straight up hero's journey too. Oh yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Through go through the circle of everything and then go back home. I still would say though, this is probably for a little bit older kids because there is like, again, more uh, complicated. So well, you have a serial stuff. killer, right? You have a serial killer. You have the slaughterhouse, which is kind of disgusting. I mean, even though there's like no animals being slaughtered, it's an old slaughterhouse. It's not active. Oh, okay. You should have led with that because Sorry. I was, I, I was waiting to ask a follow-up question about like the slaughterhouse. So, okay. Yeah. All but right. it kind of, because, you know, this town is haunted. You kind of feel like the vibe yeah. from this terrible place place. Well, you have like ghosts walking everywhere. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and also Evie, because of the trauma that she went to with her parents going missing, um, has, uh, panic attacks. Well, no kidding. Plus she's got a serial killer chasing her for God's sakes. <laughs> no wonder. I know. So that's like a real life, uh, challenge for some children. And so I just wanted to point that out too. Also it's, it's kind of interesting in this book because there are a couple of cuss words too. Not that Evie says them. It's like people around her, but um, which I thought was interesting because, you know, sometimes 
uh, authors will throw those in just to be controversial or whatever. Yeah. And then you get like some, you know, what is that? Those parenting, the Christian parents yeah, get all yeah. up, up and, in arms. But it also has a line, which I think is funny because it like balances it out. There's also a line about how everyone in town is religious because they obviously believe in the afterlife because they're surrounded by ghosts. And Evie says she believes in God. And then that's it. That's like one line. It never comes up again. There's nothing religious in the book at all. And I'm like, I wonder if that's like to balance to make sure she doesn't get so that's on the, for Karen. That was for Karen. Yeah. Like Karen, before you turn me in and get me banned, I'm also Christian. I know. That's why I was like, well, it's kind of interesting that there's this dichotomy. But I also thought it was explained away because, you know, obviously they're afterlife. They're aware that the afterlife exists. So it's kind of interesting. Um, that satisfied my need for kind of a rollicking adventure story. The only right. thing is that she's alone most of the time. That was the only thing I kind of wish that maybe there was. She needs like, a sidekick. And in the form, uh, I guess she had her aunt, but in the it, she needs some sort of sidekick or, oh, the librarian. That's who, who told her how to use her powers. I when guess. she's on the adventure, she does have a bit of a sidekick. It's so cool. when she. So the phenomenon that her aunt had been investigating was the shadow sparrows that were on the wall in the, that just appeared one day on the wall in the slaughterhouse. And these, they're like little birds and they look like they're um, kind of burned onto the wall. It's like really weird. And when Evie confronts the, or meets the clackety for the first time, he's like kind of going to attack her. And then she feels this burning searing on her shoulder and she looks and she has a tattoo of the bird of a, one of the birds on her shoulder okay, and then it, and it moves. And so it be, kind of becomes like her guide and her and helps her. Like when she's getting close to danger, it kind of like pecks at her oh. and it can protect her and it does different things. So she does kind of have a sidekick and she kind of talks to it and it, talk, you know, kind of, messages her and uh so it was kind of interesting i thought that was kind of fun you know like when they throw in like a pet or something so that somebody has somebody to talk something to talk to but yeah but yeah kind of i don't know that was the only thing i was like oh i guess it kind of could have used a sidekick but the bird was kind of it was really fascinating so and i also kind of like the idea that she had to do it on her own like it was her journey like you're saying yeah. it was a hero's it was her journey so i get it but yeah but anyway, so those are my two books, The Clackety and... And who wrote The Clackety? Witchlings. Um, the Clackety was written by uh, Laura Senth, S-E-N-F. All right, excellent. And yeah. who, and the other one was, was The written, Witches? The uh, witchin? Witchlings, Witchlings. Witchlings by Clarabella Ortega. Excellent. Two, two good Halloween choices, for sure. I think we got three good like. ones all the way around, oh, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yours too. What was yours again? It was The Peculiar Incident on Shady Street by Lindsay Curry. Oh, Lindsay. All right. Um, well, that wraps up our book chat. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I will challenge Margie to a fun game I'm calling Truth or Scare. All right. Welcome back. So there's no pick six this week because in honor of my favorite holiday, I've come up with a game challenge for my dear costume making Jersey devil loving oh, no. friend who lives in the best Halloween state there is. Oh, okay. I'm taking those as all hints. Okay. Go okay. on. Are you ready, Margie? I have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> okay. What would you like to start with? A truth or a scare? Uh, a truth. If you were a zombie, whose brain would you eat? Oh my God. Whose brain first? Yeah. 
I would um, definitely my husband's because he's like <laughs> super smart at math. And I would hope that I would like suck those skills in because he literally does math for a living all day, every day. And if I could like suck his brain, then I would have all that knowledge of math. So that's it. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know who's I would. I was just looking for like geographical, you know, like the smartest person I know nearby that I could get to his brain easily. And he's not that tall, so I can reach it. Because then you'd have better survival skills as a zombie, right? You could keep, yeah, keep going. That's really smart. And and, and not to be, not for nothing, but if I'm going to have to survive, I really need him to not be here because he'll just have a plan, but never like, he's an engineer. He'll just always be like, oh, but we could do this. We could do this. And we'll still be like, we'll be dead before that. So I just take him out of the equation. I'm a doer. And now I've got his skills. So what else do I need? (laughs) Okay. Truth or scare? Uh, Scare. Okay. Can you answer the next truth like Count Dracula? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Are you ready? Do you know, do you know, like my kid, when my oldest son was little, he always used to say when we came, when we moved to America and started watching Sesame Street, he'd be like, why does the count sound like Baba? Okay. Okay. You're ready for this. Would you rather spend the night in a haunted graveyard or a children of the corn styled field maze? 100% graveyard. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Children of the corn creep me it's out. So creepy. I'm the same way. I would sweep we, in the graveyard. Um, we were, it's so funny because we were just talking about uh, way back in the day, like a thousand years ago, you were going to meet us at the at the apple and pumpkin place. Like this was right. Oh, who, yes, yes. The little yes. one was a nugget, nugget baby. And I totally spaced it because you and asked you, me when I was out drinking. <laughs> right. And um, so we were, wait, one of, we were, wait, it was so funny. Cause we were just talking about this the other day and we were talking about corn mazes and I said, yes, because Heather didn't show up. And then I had to do everything with you because I was going to pawn like the big one <laughs> off on you and your son. And so I, so the three, the three of us, my husband was traveling and we, yeah. the little guy was like a year old or something. Yeah, he and he's like in the carrier. And we went into the stupid corn maze and couldn't get out. <laughs> and I was like freaking out. I could not get out of the corn maze. I have like a, a, t- a child strapped to me. The other one who's like lead running away. He's like five or six years old running amok. And I finally literally broke through the wall of the corn maze because I was freaking out so bad. <laughs> and that older one will never let me forget it. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Truth or dare? I'm 100% truth on this one. If aliens landed in your backyard, would you invite them in for cake or would you hide in the bogs until they left? I got to tell you, if I thought I could get out of here, like without, and maybe avoid the probe, I'm not a fan of that. But if I thought they could like take me someplace else, I'm going. I'd be like, and it wouldn't be for cake. We're totally having like cocktails. I would bring out like martinis and stuff and be like, hey, girl, hey, welcome. I love it. Yeah. Why not? Unless they were like creepy, scary looking ones. Like sometimes on Star Trek or, oh, you know what? Sometimes those Doctor Who aliens get a little oh, yeah, scary yeah. looking. Yeah. Like the guy, you know, the guy that has like the big head that like goes right into his neck. Yes. The toad like, people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't be down with that, but. Oh, I don't know. They're, they're always really nice though. <laughs> they are, but you know, ju- yeah, sometimes you have to judge the book by its cover and sure. the cover says, mm, run away. <laughs> True. Okay. Truth or scare? Uh, truth again. I'm not a scare fan. That's okay. If you were the Jersey devil. Which is pretty close. I mean, <laughs> came from Philly, so. How would you terrify campers? Oh my God, that would be so much fun. 
Could you imagine? I would just like sneak through their tents, make sure they could see my horns, you know, like in the moonlight. I would just like, I would totally screw with their belongings. I'd probably like put their fires out, just, just make it even scarier. You know what? I, I'd love to have like nice claws that I could like down the side of their tent. Yeah. Especially in Jersey. Cause you know, let me tell you who's camping in the Jersey Pine Barrens. It's not, you know, so there it's going to take a little bit to scare them. I always thought the scary, the scariest thing in movies where people are camping is that sound of the pitter patter outside, like something running around your tent. Like that always happens on Naked and Afraid too. Does it? Because my husband makes me watch that stupid show. Okay. I've got, let's see. I think I've got one more for you. All right. One Um, more and I'm going to do truth on it. Okay. If you were a ghost, would you torture people in their dreams, Freddy Krueger style? Or would you be a lovable Casper-like ghost who helps people? I would be like a cat ghost, like Casper. But yet at the same time, I'd be like nice and loving. But then when they weren't looking, I'd push their glass off the counter and let it shatter all over. <laughs> like halfsies, you know, kind of like how I am. Like not quite nice, not quite mean, somewhere in the middle, like my own personality. I'm not mean enough to be mean, but I'm not nice enough to be nice. I like it. Well, the last dare I had for you is to cackle like a witch. I cackle like a witch when I just try to yell. I know, me too. I just try to, like, I was at the soccer game the other day yelling, and all of a sudden I was like, <laughs> it was terrible. And I'm like, oh my God, who is this? I sound like an old drag queen or something when I yell. It's terrible. Who smoked most of her career? I had a dad tell me one time, he's like, your laugh just sounds like a witch. And I just said, well, that's because I am a witch. <laughs> Do not judge a book by his cover. Yeah, who I'll should be a- the soccer mom in this duo? <laughs> I will hex you. <laughs> and who's the darkest? Who's the darkest? I don't know. <laughs> we are we are a perfect combination, I think. We're like a yin and yang. We are. I think it works. I think it works well. So I appreciate the game. I will do the same for you. That was not nearly as bad as I thought. I thought you were going to like hit me with some bad 80s, 80s, like horror movie trivia. And I'm like, I don't have those brain cells left. They left me in college. So I'll get get you back with the game. Don't you worry when you least expect it. (laughs) All right. So now it's November almost. Yeah. And it's time for shopping. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Here the holidays coming. Um, So for if you're like me and you have to economic sparse your Christmas oh, gift yeah. giving for three months. I you've probably already, yeah, you've <laughs> probably already started shopping. Um, my kids keep asking for things and I'm like, shut up. I'm halfway done. They're like, well, this is totally irrational. <laughs> That's who I am, kids. I've lived with you for uh, your whole life. I'm not always rational. Uh, anyway, so for our next two episodes, we're going to cover our book recommendations. So our first one of those two episodes will cover picture books and chapter books. And um, for some of our younger guys. And then the second episode will cover our middle grade, which is sort of our sweet spot. But we want to make sure we cover all the levels. And maybe we'll even tuck in some YA, do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. we've done that yeah, before. Throw in middle some, grade. Yeah. some YA. And uh, so we got some books for your middle schools, middle schoolers and teens. And then we have some for your little nuggets and your just beginning readers. So mm-hmm. I love chapter books. They're like my too. favorite. I Me really too. love chapter books. So we'll have some recommendations. We'll have some good ones from the books that we've covered so far. And we'll also talk about some books that are not, maybe we haven't covered yet, but give you some more information. So don't miss it. We're going to tell you what to buy and you won't even have to make a list. We'll make it for you. That's right. And we'll highlight who there would be good for and all that stuff. So you don't have to worry. You already have your list done, don't you? Oh, of course. I've already been sifting through my favorite books this year and I can't wait um, to share 
some picture books that I've been finding that are really fun. Can't wait. So that wraps up this episode of Tulip Mama's podcast. If you like what you've heard, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. I mean, unless the review is bad. And now if the review is bad, I am going to bring my alien friends and we're going to come and suck your brain because I'm smart with math now after I've sucked my husband's brain. So now that I'm math smart, I totally, and I have, oh my God, could you imagine his, his like book smart and my common sense combined unstoppable Yeah, because he doesn't have an common sense sometimes. So, um, unstoppable. Yeah. And we're bilingual. There you go. You can survive (laughs) in two different countries. (laughs) We could, we definitely could. If you want to join us twice a month for kidlet discussions, please subscribe to the two lit mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Two Lit Mamas, T-W-O Lit Mamas podcast on Instagram, Two Lit Mamas on Facebook, and of course, on our website, www.twolipmamas.com. And if you tune in now, you'll see pictures from the cranberry bogs. Ooh, lovely. Right? I know. Nice. I can't stop. I can't, it does. It never gets old. They're this so is five beautiful. years now, and it's still. I still get impressed by the bogs. So. They're so beautiful. Have a wonderful week. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween. Bye. Bye.